the, then the thing that really sets me off is, well, once we have a vaccine, then everything will go back, back to normal. To normal. Yeah. And I say, you mean like the flu vaccine that's 8% effective? Doesn't work. I catch if, I a, if I had a brake pad manufacturing company for cars and my brake pads were 8% effective, I would be out of business. George Floyd was not taken out because he was black. George Floyd was taken out because he was owed major drug money by Derek Shaven. When you're making vaccines that are 8% effective for the flu that you have to change every year, which, by the way, give most people that take them the flu. Food. And you're going to tell me that this new, and they can't sue, you can't sue them for this right. without going through the VAERS court, which is a joke. And you're going to tell me that once we have a untested, brand new rush through vaccine, then everything is going to go back to normal. Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, they're going to test it in Africa like they're doing, kill a bunch of Africans, pay them off $1,000 per person, which is the maximum that they have to spend if they kill somebody. So they already know that because it's way cheaper to kill them there than kill them here. found out what the Chinese Communist Party, the Red Dragon, is doing to these people and have been doing to these people for the last 20 years in China, sending hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghur Muslims, house Christians, and Tibetan Buddhists. Particularly, 95% of um, the victims are Falun Gong practitioners to the state-mandated hospitals, concentration camps, death camps, military facilities, uh, military facilities run by the Chinese military at the behest of the, of the highest-ranking officials of the Chinese Communist Party to create a illegal sanctions forced organ harvesting business hey how's it going everybody welcome back to the truth defender podcast we're coming to you from the greatest country in the world deep in the heart of the lone star state dallas texas i'm your host paul aguilar i really appreciate you guys stopping in for another episode Uh, if you guys are watching us on youtube right now and you aren't a subscriber already please consider hitting that subscribe button as well as that bell icon also make sure you guys hit that thumbs up button as well that'll really help us out if you guys are catching us on the go and you want to find us you can find us on spotify google podcast apple podcast as well as iHeartRadio at truth defender podcast uh, we'll have all our social media link below uh, twitter instagram facebook and rumble we have a discord as well for you guys uh, if you have any questions or comments for myself or our guests uh, guests or topic recommendations you can shoot us an email to the truth defender 1776 at gmail.com our next guest is Mr. Bill Bean. Bill Bean is a world-renowned exorcist, spiritual deliverance minister, and is known as the spiritual warrior. Bill has helped hundreds of people in America, along with many others in nearly 50 other countries. He's also an internationally known author, lecturer, and paranormal supernatural expert. Bill is currently appearing in episodes of the Travel Channel series Ghost Nation and a 2019 episode of The Holzer Files. Bill has also appeared in many episodes of the A Haunting series. He regularly joins George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM, and he has appeared in the Lifetime movie network series, I Was Possessed. Bill also appears monthly on the Kev Baker Show out of Scotland and has a show every Sunday with Kev Baker, Travis Short, and Derek Stroman called Warrior Mode. Without further ado, Mr. Bill Bean, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, my brother. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, having me on, Paul. It's real and it's really an honor and a pleasure to be on with you. Absolutely, I appreciate you taking the time out. Sure. Um, yeah. So we're going to try to jump in here as fast as we can. Um, 
So exorcisms, um, for mm-hmm. those of the people out there that know anything about exorcisms, they know that they're some pretty scary stuff. Um, but for a lot of people, they don't really know too much about them other than what they hear yeah. you know, from other people or like on YouTube, maybe they've seen the movie, The Exorcist, which um, is obviously embellished quite a lot. Um, but sure. where I guess we could start kind of how you got interested in conducting exorcisms or maybe you weren't and you just kind of got thrown into it. I got, uh, yeah, I was called to do it. I, uh, I was a lifelong uh, or or throughout my childhood into my teen and adult years, I was an experiencer of the uh, paranormal supernatural. Uh, My family was destroyed by demonic forces. I was nearly destroyed as well. Uh, We moved into, uh, a house that I say was straight out of hell. You know, I was four years old when we moved in there. Right. And uh, we we lived in there from 1970 to 1980. I don't know how we made it 10 years in that house, mm. but uh, it was hellish. And the uh, house is a three bedroom uh, ranch style home located in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland in a, a community called Herondale. And uh, it was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac and had a very uh, large and deep ravine behind it. And uh, the house was semi-dilapidated. My father, William Bean Sr., saw it uh, as a restoration project. He was a master carpenter. And he did quite a bit of work to the house. And uh, my mother was a homemaker, Patricia Bean. She was the first to have an experience in the house. It took place Uh, Not long after moving in, and my father had taken us, I have an older sister and a younger brother, he had taken us uh, with him for the day to uh, allow my mother to have time to unpack and organize without us being under her feet. So it was during the course of this, and she was in the living room at the time, it was during the course of this that she felt a presence come into the uh, house And she thought that it was my dad sneaking back in to play a joke on her. And she spun around fully anticipating on seeing him and her shock, you know, nothing was there when she turned around. So as you can imagine, she was startled. She was taken aback. She was unnerved. She was perplexed, all those things. And uh, was uh, eventually able to go back to doing what she was doing. And then at that point, one of the bedroom doors slammed shut by itself. And that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. So that's where it began. And it gradually escalated into more of these events and then uh, violent physical attacks on us from these demonic entities that greatly contributed to the destruction of my family. So that's where it all started. So I lived through hell. I had a hellish childhood. Neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50 uh, many of my family members died under very tragic circumstances, had very little family left. And uh, I had to, after the deaths of my mother and grandmother, my father left home when I was nine in 1975. And then my mother uh, came under regular physical demonic attack after my dad had left. I too was coming under regular physical demonic attack. And um, I too believe that this uh, created and and contributed um, enough stress and pressure on her, which led to a cerebral hemorrhage 
which killed her at the age of 44. And so with my father leaving in 75, uh, the two closest people to me in my life were my mother, my grandmother, her mother. And um, they were suddenly gone by the, by the year uh, 1981. It was right after, not long after moving out of the house. They were suddenly gone within two months of each other. And it was devastating. Um, and I had to grow up very, very quickly. I quit school in the eighth grade, lied about my age, went to work for a construction company. Here I was a skinny undernourished kid that was thrown into a world working with some hardcore men and unfortunately that made me a, a hardcore man as well and I grew up on the streets I hung out with the worst of the worst people most of those people are dead or in prison I could very easily be dead or in prison and uh, I drank I did drugs I was violent uh, you name it and through it all God protected me why? Because he had a plan for my life. Now, I didn't know that back then, and I didn't care either, because after the deaths of my mother and grandmother, I didn't want to live anymore. I, I didn't care about anything. I lived my life on the edge for many, many years. And it wasn't until I had an epiphany one day that I could do better and be better and maybe have a hope in the future. And that's when I turned it over to God. And uh, so one day I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I asked God to take the urges and temptations for me to drink or to use drugs. I asked him to take it from me and he did. I never went to one AA meeting, NA meeting, nothing. God just took it from me. I didn't have any more desire for it. I see it now as my mortal enemy. And it has been 30 some years since I've done any of that. And uh, it was the turning point of my life. And the greatest decision that I ever made in my life was to make God first in my life. And after that, a transformation was taking place. But it wasn't overnight, uh, Paul. It was two steps forward and three steps backward. Because every human being gets into patterns and mindsets. And it's very difficult to break those patterns, whether it is good or bad for the person it's very, very difficult to break those things to sort of retrain your way of thinking. And my thinking back, back then was coming from the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living, which is not good at all because all life operates on frequency and vibration. So if our frequency and vibration is on high, then life is good and it's positive. We're moving forward. But if we're on low, life is terrible. And it's like the black cloud is over the person's head and nothing ever goes right. And so I've lived it, I understand it, and it was a process in order for me to be delivered from it and transformed. And God did bring a complete transformation, a complete deliverance, and a complete transformation into my life. Now, today, I perfectly understand why I suffered through those things because I could not be where I'm at right now and helping others had I not been there. I take the sufferings of others very personally, but if I go into someone's home or if I'm having some type of Skype or Zoom or phone session with someone and I've never had the experience that they're going through, we can't relate. We can't come together because I haven't had the experience. 
So these people trust me in knowing that I've been there and I've had just about every type of paranormal supernatural experience that you can think of and imagine. So therefore we can come together and they can trust me because they know that I've been there. Right. And it's, it's so funny that you said that I was just about to ask you if, if, if you feel that God put you in this line of, well, I wouldn't say line of work, but in this lane, yeah. because everything you you had to suffer through, you know, when you were younger, that you just, you'd be able to feel more deeply what other people were going through. Uh, and you just answered that question before I even asked it, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you, the people that are chosen to help come out of like the craziest circumstances, people that you would never think yeah. would have anything to do with helping other people or anything are the the same people that probably best fit that. You're right, Paul. And, and, you know, I thought when God first put this calling on my life, I thought God must have a sense of humor. Me? How is someone like me going to be a help to anyone? What can I do to help anybody? And I resisted that for a while because I had such a low opinion of myself. I thought I'm uneducated. Um, How can I, you know, I have done bad things in my life. How can I do anything? But then I came to understand it because the more my faith grew and the closer that I came to God, the more uh, he was drawing towards me. And I engaged in probably four years of serious biblical studies, historical studies. I studied anything and everything, and it really broadened my intellect. And so as my intelligence increased, my confidence did as well. And then I came to understand that someone like me, God really could work through me to help people. And it is not me. I, you would never, ever, I've given over 2,000 interviews in my career, and you would never, ever hear me, never give myself any credit or glory. I always give the praise and thanks to God, because it is he who does these things. And he has worked through me to do extraordinary things. And I praise him for that. But I'm just a vessel that he works through. And so when I came to understand that perhaps God really could work through me to help people, and then when I went out on the the first case, helping a family in Maryland, as soon as I got into that house, A, I felt the presence of evil, and B, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God really had called me to do this. And it was the greatest moment for me because I knew where my place was in the world. I knew what my purpose was. And so I never looked back after that. Yeah. Just imagine, um, so you mentioned the first case you had ever gone on. How, so, I mean, how does one come about being an exorcist? I mean, obviously if you grow up, you know, maybe you, you go, you're raised in the church and, you know, maybe you go study at the church, like, like in Rome, stuff like that. And that's how traditionally the traditionally Catholic priests and all, you know, all that stuff do it. But how does, I mean, how did you kind of get started in, in that whole First of all, I didn't have any faith-based upbringing at all. My parents believed in God. We never attended church as children, never baptized, never read the Bible, nothing. Um, Yet, I always had this faith in God. I can't explain it. It was just like an automatic thing. And then uh, my wife and I got baptized. I think it was in December of 2008. And it was a turning point in my life because then 
I felt like I was free from everything that had plagued me for so many years. And then I started feeling that calling coming on me uh, from God and I resisted it for quite a while. But then when I embraced it and, and realized that it was a true calling from God, I just studied. I studied years and years. I studied. Uh, nobody taught me how to perform an exorcism or a deliverance. That was automatic. That came from God. Um, also, I became uh, an ordained non-denomination minister. And so I, uh, at that point, you know, had the confidence. And what really put me on the map was, what really put me on the map was a haunting. Uh, they came along in 2005 and I don't even know how they found my story, but they did. Uh, they came along in 2005 and approached me about doing my life story. You know, what, what I went through as a child, I agreed to do it. The, uh, episode aired on September 7th, 2006, and it went worldwide, Paul. So I was after that, that's what put me on the map. And people started contacting me from everywhere, including other countries. I couldn't give them help. A lot of these people were asking for help. And at that point in time, I was not the spiritual warrior. I was still trying to find my way. And I would refer them to people that I thought could help. And so that's kind of how it began. Uh, and, and, you know, with having that level of recognition and notoriety and then all of a sudden you know from that point I was doing interview after interview after interview there were times that I would do four or five interviews in a day right and uh so again the more I did the more my name was getting out there uh so once I became that ordained minister uh and went to that first case in Maryland it was easy for me in the sense that I didn't have to go out to the people they were coming to me you know the more they saw me on tv or they heard me on an interview they were reaching out they were contacting me uh and so we would you know get them scheduled and then I would go and help them and and it wasn't until and it was kind of organized chaos at the beginning and then one of the people that I helped um turned out to really help me um, to be, to have this as an organization per se. Because the way that I was doing it at the beginning, I couldn't sustain it. And so I had helped her. She was so grateful that she offered her services to me. She's uh, now my assistant, Melinda, and uh, she's like family to me. I love her dearly. but she, uh, she's the one that after she was delivered and doing well in her life that she said, look, I want to help you and please let me help you because if you continue the way you're doing it, it, it is not going to work. And she was right. So uh, we ended up having organization and having it like it is now to where, you know, we book clients and we schedule them. Um, and so it, it really was a blessing. It truly was. God worked through me to help her. And then God has been working through her to help me as well. So that's how it all came about. And I have other assistants that help me too. You know, we, there are times, Paul, that we get really, really overwhelmed with people. Sure. There are times that I get hundreds of messages 
uh, a day. And it's like trying to put a forest fire out with a garden hose. And, you know, I do my best to get to everybody. I have uh, Melinda and other assistants that help me to respond to some of these messages. And we do everything that we can do to get back to the people to, uh, to get them help. I mean, some of these stories are just so sad and tragic. Some people are suicidal as well. God has worked through me to help many people over the years that were ready to end their life. And they saw me uh, on a TV show and reached out. And then we connected and God worked through me to help them. And, and they would go on to have a good and quality rest of their life. I mean, so this has just been a, a complete blessing all the way around. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure if, if you're actually familiar with, um, I guess he would probably be one of the famous exorcists back in the 90s. Um, he died like in the late 90s, but... Father Malachi Martin was oh, a, yeah. a huge name, you know, obviously. And at that time when he was coming out on Coast to Coast with Art Bell, sure. he would talk about how exorcisms had increased like over eight, 800% like in the last yeah. five years or so at that time. Now, obviously, it's probably risen a lot more since then. But it how has, I guess, this the whole COVID situation like added to that? Has that had like any kind of negative effects from for other people? But has that... I guess, risen in numbers. Yeah. yeah. And the reason for that is, goes right back to what I said to you earlier about the frequency and vibration. So obviously COVID has put a lot of stress on people. I've had two family members that have died from COVID. Oh, so it, it puts a lot of strain and stress on people and families. Yeah. And it can pull that frequency and vibration down. And when that comes down, people are wide open for demonic attack. And so I find that in uh, a lot of the cases, not all, but uh, I would say more so than not, the common thread is that some high level of trauma has taken place um, most of the time in childhood, whether that's through child molestation, uh, some type of violent beatings or you know just horrible treatment that created a high level of trauma and when that high level of trauma is sustained, um, blood and secretions will come out of the pineal gland and the adrenal glands and demons are attracted to that like candy. So obviously the perpetrator is demon filled to carry out those wicked and heinous acts. But once that high level of trauma is sustained, then the victim is wide open for these demons to come on to them because of that high level of trauma being sustained. And then it's going to require somebody like me, uh, an agent for God to come along, for God to work through that person to get that off of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think a while back, I was kind of discussing with somebody that I can only imagine, you know, since everybody was locked down and nobody was able to do anything, people had lost jobs and things like that. Yeah, it's hard. That, that, that they were going through some really rough times and a lot of people probably committed suicide, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I mean, we never kind of went through that, but I, you know, there was times where you kind of be sitting around like right in the middle of things, you know, last year and you were just kind of thinking like, man, when, when is this going to end? Like, what are we going to do after this is done? Like, you know, and for those people that were really hit, I can only imagine, you know, the kind of thoughts that were going through their mind at that time. And, you know, just a lot of the people were really susceptible to demons or anything like that. Yeah. 
during those times because they were having those thoughts. It must have been you better believe bad. it. And again, <laughs> you know, you're talking high stress, high anxiety, yeah. depression. All of these things are contributing factors to lowering the frequency and vibration. And then when the doors open, the devil and his demons are going to kick it in. Yeah. And once they're in, they're not leaving until they are extracted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, it's so so. So we can see now. It's it's like, even though we're we're kind of coming out of on the other side almost, and you know we can see the the light. I in, sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, you know, down here in Texas, we where I live out here, I live about twenty minutes north of Dallas, but um, we never. Really, I love Texas. Yeah, we never really locked down you know, like everyone else. I mean, we yeah, did. Maryland was a lockdown. It was yeah. bad here. No, nah, we never locked down really. I mean, a lot of people would still wear masks and for a while here, like nobody went outside and stuff like that, but like lockdown, lockdown, we, you know, thankfully we never had anything like that. Now we're hundred percent open. You know, a lot of people, if you, if they want to wear masks, they can, you know, that's up mm-hmm. to them. But a lot of us don't. And a lot of people just want to get back to working yeah life, normal life taking care of, you know their kids i mean we got kids out here sports are back on you know everything's been going great um praise god yeah, absolutely and it's i want to see that i want i pray often that god will just first of all my opinion and my opinion only is that i believe that this was not something that just naturally occurred this was a man-made thing Right. that uh, was created in a laboratory and then uh, released and unleashed on the people of planet earth. Right. And I have my opinion as to why, and I write about it in the book. Uh, I, my opinion as to why this is happening or why it's happened. Sure. And um, this is all about control. This is all about the devil behind the scenes using his underlings and the human minions as well to control people and to lead them in the way that they want them to be led. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, we're of the same opinion as well. Um, it, it definitely didn't spring out of, out of the ground nowhere. I mean, there was no, <laughs> no, you know, there was definitely some help involved and it's, there's a lot of tomfoolery going on out there, but. No yeah. question about it, Paul. And it's, I'll say this, these people know who they are. And more importantly, God knows who they are. And a day is going to come, a great and terrible day. And these people are going to just absolutely be obliterated by God. And look, I don't wish bad on anybody, but there are some people that are just bad seeds. And a bad seed is a seed of the satanic line and the satanic kind. They don't have any empathy or compassion or love in them. They set out to do wickedness each and every day. And those types wouldn't want to be them. We're all going to stand accountable for our actions, but those types, oh boy, look out. Yeah, absolutely. We can only hope and pray that it comes a lot sooner than later. (laughs) I think it is coming sooner than later, Paul. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, here's the hoping and we'll definitely be praying every day for that, you know, to happen, but um, so, so we can kind of get back here. So, you know, you spoke earlier about your, your first exorcism. Can you kind of go back and, you know, kind of explain to us how that, how that went for you that time? Yeah. And, and that was, uh, here in Maryland and, uh, that family was, man, they were under serious demonic siege. 
Now, this is the first time for me. Now, it wasn't the first battle that I've had because I had, uh, you know, and I write about this in my first book, Dark Force, and then wrote about it again in my, I think it was my fifth book, uh, Dark Force Revisited, um, about being 13 years old and battling against the demonic forces inside of my home. I finally couldn't take uh, couldn't take it anymore, and I just witnessed my mother being picked up by an invisible force and thrown through the air. And she was injured; she was cut, she was uh, scratched, she was bruised. Uh, she landed into her makeup table, and uh, we had a priest involved for the last sixteen months that we lived there. And he was bringing mason jars full of holy water. And on that day, I snapped and I grabbed a Bible and a jar of the holy water and I challenged those entities. So that was my first battle. And then um, I had had other battles after that, uh, you know, going into my adult years. But being there for that family as a minister, now an agent for God, that was something different. Uh, The same in the sense that I knew what it was like to battle demonic forces, but different because now I am in charge and responsible for the well-being of this family that's under siege. And, excuse me, uh, I'll never forget going in there and feeling the presence of evil in that home and on those family members and I performed an exorcism on all of them. And it was very powerful, Paul. I mean, you could just absolutely not only feel it, you could smell this awful stench. Uh, you could see the lady of the house um, being physically affected in changes in her appearance. And this went on into the night. I was so exhausted after it was all over with. And, you know, I can't divulge a whole lot because of the, you know, the, the, the client confidentiality. Sure. But what I can tell you is that it went long into the night. It was an exhaustive process. And God worked through me to deliver those people from evil. And it was the greatest feeling to walk out of there, even though I was exhausted, but to walk out knowing that God actually worked through me to help those people. Right. And so then it went on from there. I have traveled to every part of America. I have, I, you know, except for maybe the little teeny tiny towns and I've traveled to some of them too, but I have been everywhere and everywhere many times over. It's just amazing. I look back on it and now it's sort of like a blur because God's worked through me to help so many people. I, I, I have um, been in hotel rooms and wake up in the morning, you know, in a hotel room, and I go, where am I at right now? Where, I mean, that's how crazy. Before COVID, I was traveling sometimes two trips a week. I would travel out to LA. I'm in Maryland on the East Coast. Uh, I would travel, you know, fly all the way out to LA, uh, perform a deliverance or exorcism over someone or family or whatever, get right back on a plane the next morning. Now think about this. I mean, there's jet lag involved in a trip like this. Mm. I'd go out there, get off the plane, maybe go to the hotel, take shower and get myself, you know, dressed and over to the client house. And oftentimes I would be 
you know, late into the night, leaving in the wee hours of the morning, going back to the hotel, getting a shower, trying to get a little something to eat, get myself ready, get to the airport before 5 a.m., turn the rental car in, and get ready to catch my flight back home. And then I come home, unpack, repack, and get ready for the next trip somewhere else. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I did that. And it was only by the power of God that I could sustain it because exhaustive. I mean, it was absolutely exhaustive. And even now in my current life, which you know, I have eliminated a lot of the travel due to COVID, um, having my sessions uh, via uh, Skype or Zoom or phone. Um, but even still, I'm up till five, sometimes 6 a.m. in the morning before I get to bed. So it's still the same process. There's still all these people coming to me for help. And I do my best to get to everybody as quickly as I can. But boy, oh boy, some of these cases, I mean, I, I just think off the top of my head of thinking uh, of a couple that you would literally have to be there with me to see it with your own eyes. And even still, if you were standing there with me and saw some of these things, you would go, did I really just see that? Did that really just happen? Did that person's face really change shape? Uh, I performed an exorcism over a young man in San Francisco a few years ago. And when I was uh, binding and rebuking and casting the demons out, his whole face went into like a V. His cheeks went way up like this. His chin went to a point, And then it came out through the top of his head. Now, when a person is possessed, they don't remember anything. They can't tell you anything. They don't remember. It's as if their minds are unplugged and then this external force comes in and plugs in. And uh, yet, after this was over with, he said to me, he said, and again, he, he would have no way of knowing this. He said, I felt this tremendous pressure coming out of the top of my head. And that's exactly what happened because it was being cast out and it was coming up. And sometimes they'll come out through the mouth or other places, but they do come out through the top of the head. And this kid's face just, again, that would have been something you would have stood there with me and went, did I really just see that? I have seen people's eyes turn black. I've seen their eyes turn all white. I've seen them turn all red. One case in San Diego, uh, the lady's eyes turned like a, a greenish yellowish color and she had reptilian slits in her eyes. Uh, so these are things I've seen bodies contort and twist in ways that the human body just can't. I have seen levitation. I have felt superhuman strength. And if not for the power of God working through me, there's no way that I could have sustained being in the same room and sometimes engaging in physical battle against these things to keep myself safe and the possessed person safe as well. These people have tried to bite me. Um, they have spit on me. Uh, they, the tongues have come out like serpents, like snakes, you, you, different voices. Uh, I remember a case in 2017, and this was one of the most severe cases of them all. And uh, this woman, she was demon filled and I must have by the power of God, cast out 20 different demons out of her. As fast as I was casting one out, another voice would manifest and I would have to bind and rebuke and cast that out. You wanna talk about exhaustion. 
by the time, because it ended up being a physical struggle as well, um, by the time that it was over with, I recall sitting in a diner in New Jersey with my head in my hands, totally exhausted. I couldn't even get in my vehicle to go back home at that point. And I just had to sit there and God does have a way of recharging me, but I just have to be still and I just have to let him work and bring me back. And then I could get up and, and get my truck and drive back home to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have to see it with your own eyes to believe it. And even still, you would probably question yourself. Yeah, I bet it's, is it, is it hard to switch off, so to speak? So you, you know, you're maybe you're going through an experience like overnight and then for you to just kind of go back to your hotel and continue with life. Is that kind of hard to switch off? Are you still maybe thinking about it throughout the day or like, how do you just let it go after that? It's very hard and it's only through prayer and uh, sometimes fasting that uh, God will help to clean the slate and then help me to prepare for the next one. Because when I go on these trips, when I come back, Paul, I don't answer messages when I'm gone. When I'm traveling, I do not answer messages because I've got to totally focus on that client or that family. When I get back, I have a mountain of messages to answer. I have to keep my phone off because it constantly rings. I, as soon as I clean out the voice messages, they fill right back up. The texts never stop. The emails never stop. The social media messages never stop. It is a never ending process. And so God helps me to be able to clean the slate in between to get ready for the next ones. It is, I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't, it it would be impossible. It is only by the power of God working through me that I can do these things. Uh, Some people would have already cracked up. They would have already through the fatigue and stress factor of being sleep deprived. Um, I suffered that for quite a a while with all that traveling. Just from that alone could make a person crack up and just burn out. Um, So it is by the power of God that I'm able to do what I do. And I can never thank him and praise him enough for that. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, I can only imagine just being up at all hours. I mean, I, so I have like, like really bad insomnia, right? So I kind of understand where you're going through there. I stay up way late, four or five in the morning. And then yeah. by the time I fall asleep, the sun's coming up. I have to get up for work. And yeah. it's just, it's rough, but it's, so is it, do you find that certain groups of people are possessed easier? Maybe the rich, the poor, the people that don't have any kind of religion, they don't believe in God, or maybe the ones that really do believe in God, you know, with all their heart, are they the ones that are attacked more often than those that don't? Well, yeah, I'll say this. There's a reason for everything. And in my case, again, I could not be where I'm at in helping others had I not been there to suffer. So it was all part of my journey. I had to have those experiences in order to know how to relate to people and, and, and know that we do have that common ground and they know that we have that common ground that they could trust me. Um, others are the same to where no person is better than another, but God does have special callings for certain people. And if a person has that type of calling on them, 
then they will be more susceptible for demonic attack because the devil does not want that person to be where God wants and needs them to be. So the devil will do anything and everything to try and knock that person off the path. There are also people who have just suffered greatly in life from childhood. You know, they just seem to have a hard road their whole life. Those type of people they do come under severe demonic attack. And the reason for that is because their frequency and vibration is so low. They just live life on low and they wait for one bad thing after another to happen. I was that way, Paul. I lived that way in my uh, teen years, into my adult years. You know, I can recall waking up declaring that I was going to have a bad day. And guess what I did? Because I invoked it. I invited that to happen. I invoked it. So now in my life, I live in what's called warrior mode. Faith, strength, and courage. I don't have any fear of anyone or anything. And I praise God for that. So when we eliminate the fear out of our lives, we can operate in the faith-based way. In the warrior mode way to where you are really, really connecting with God in a real and authentic way. You are trusting in God in everything. And in return, God will bless us for that. So when I was in the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living, I expected things to go bad, and they did. And there was no end to it. But when God brought the transformation into my life, I got into that level of warrior mode and really developed that faith, strength, and courage to move forward in each and every day. Furthermore, I declare victory in every day of my life and will do so for the rest of my life. My life is not perfect, Paul, but my life is 50 times more blessed than it's ever been cursed. I can never thank God and praise God enough for that. So in my life now, living in this warrior mode, I don't care what's going on. I expect to have a good day. I expect things to go well. I expect to move forward in all things. And if something does come along in my life, I know that God's with me and for me. So if God's with me and for me, who's going to stand against me? No one, nothing. I was a victim and now I'm a victor and I will never be a victim to anyone or anything again. So this is part of my teaching for others is that Yes, God will work through me to perform the exorcism or deliverance. But after that, I become a life coach in the sense that now I have to get these people out of the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living into warrior mode. So that requires follow-ups sometimes. So with some of my clients, I'll have these monthly follow-up sessions. And they're most effective because I have to make sure that they are staying in warrior mode and moving forward. And if something comes along to where they feel like they're under attack again, well, then we take action right away and we keep our foot on top of the devil by doing that. So this is very much a process for some people. God has worked through me to deliver them. They never had another problem again. For others, I'd have to go back to them three, four, five times because something happens to where they can't make that full transition to where they're not really stepping out of that fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking. I was one of those people, Paul. I would take two steps forward and three steps backward. 
So it was very much a process and a transformation for me. But once I got there, that was it. I never looked back after that. So my job after being this spiritual warrior and having God to work through me to get rid of this garbage out of people, then I have to be, you know, this teacher, this coach It's saying, look, this is the way, this is the way out. And you must, you absolutely must transfer your thoughts and your mind and your thought process and eliminate that fear and that way of thinking and take this huge, gigantic step into faith and the unknown and trusting in God. And if people can do that, man, well, blessing, everything changes for the better. I definitely can relate to the whole projecting how you want to feel throughout the day in order to do so. It's, it's, so it's my, so I want, when I was, Let's say back in 1999, so I lost my mom when I was about 14 years old. Um, yeah, back in I was too. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, so at, at, after that, we were kind of riding this great wave at that time. Everything was kind of working out great. Sports, school, you know, everything at home was great. And then it just kind of hit all of a sudden, um, and you know, and then she was gone. So after that, there was some very dark years afterwards not yeah. just kind of like internally, like emotionally, things like I that. I can relate, Paul. I understand. Um, you know, and we kind of worked our way out. It, it, it took a, little, a long time actually, but so like in, I want to say I was like 21 years old is when, you know, when I left the house and I finally left where I was born, I joined the military and I never went back. I just kind of left everything back there. Um, and now we just kind of, now that I have my own family, you know, my son and everything, everything's just on the up and up, but I never want to project any kind of stress or any kind of like bad feelings at home for him to pick up on, you know, because you can pick up Good on other you. people's feelings. Just want to keep it light, keep everything great at home. If we have any kind of issues or whatever, let's take it outside of the house that, you know, deal with it somewhere else or, you know, whatever we have to do, just don't let him see it, see that, you know, that we're having issues or maybe we're feeling certain kind of way sure um, so I, I definitely can understand you know every morning you wake up and it's just like well today we're gonna take care of this this is what's gonna happen let's, let's have let's try to have a great day and, and that's just what you good for you project bro. yeah if we can do that look none of us have a perfect life we're never going everybody's going to have a set of issues and challenges in life that's life however when we have the proper mindset and if we are geared into that um, warrior mode concept, we're going to have a lot more better days than we are bad. That's for sure. And if something does come along, that's challenging. God will be there for us to help us to navigate through. So he does make the impossible possible. Good for you. I mean, I, I could look at you. You wouldn't have had, to, you wouldn't have had to say a word to me and I could look at you and feel that you're good and you are positive and you are a warrior and you are moving forward. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. We try to, I mean, like you said, it's definitely not easy and it's not like we're going to have a great life all the time, but it's definitely a, a struggle daily just to kind of keep us base, you know, so to say, and it's, sure. it's just, you know, but we, I mean, what else are we going to do? Just lie down and give in. It's, it's definitely not going to happen. That's not what I'm about. So no way. Good <laughs> yeah. for you, brother. I wish more people could understand that because 
Most people have no clue that all of us are in spiritual warfare on a daily basis. Yeah. They have no clue. And some of these very same people say, my life sucks. It's so terrible. I don't understand it. Why does God let this happen? They have no clue. But yet, instead of saying that, they could turn to God, make him first, and invoke his mighty and holy power over them and their lives take power and authority over whatever it is find a rebuke and cast it out and then move forward in warrior mode so not only do i declare victory in each and every day i say a spiritual warfare prayer every single day um and i so the first thing that i do when i open my eyes every day paul without fail every day i thank god and praise god for the day why because God works a miracle for us every single day. It's the miracle of life. When we open our eyes, that is another miracle. Most people don't understand this. So for those who say that God doesn't work miracles, I beg to differ because when you open your eyes, he's worked a miracle of life for you. So I thank him and praise him for the day. Every day I get on my knees and pray. That's how I start my day. I have several times throughout the day where I'm praying and then I don't care what time it is, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., I don't care what it is. If I, if I haven't been to sleep yet, it doesn't matter because I end with the spiritual warfare prayer and then the daily declaration of victory in each and every day of my life without fail, and I will do so for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard for a lot of people to understand, you know, like you said, they don't understand why these things are happening to them. Like, you know, why does my life suck? And why is this happening to yeah. me? But I mean, you just, you just can't, you just, just don't lay down. Just don't give in. Just got to keep pushing every day. Things are going to get better. I know it doesn't seem that way. You know, like for a lot of people, they have a lot of things going on and it seems like the crap's just piling up on them. You just got to keep going. You just got to put your head down. You just got to keep going forward. It's going to get better. I promise. <laughs> it's the only way. There's yeah. no other way. Yeah. Uh, the sure. other way is lay down in a fetal position <laughs> and just let it all happen and then get swallowed up by it. Yeah. Nah, no dice. We don't, we don't play those games not around here. So yeah. Good for you, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so one of the things that I, I was, I found really interesting is do you ever find that you get followed home from an exorcism? may it be like a spirit or like any kind of demon or anything like that or do you just kind of nope yeah no say, way yeah. i'll never have that and i praise god for it and again i don't say this of my own accord i say it by the power of god god has blessing and favor and protection and empowerment over me and i thank him and praise him for it so i will not have anything if i would sense any type of thing like that i would leap out of my chair and attack and i can do that by the power of god and take power and authority over but no paul that doesn't happen and uh again if i even sensed anything like that man i would jump right up spring up and be in warrior mode attacking by the power of god right yeah i always find that interesting you'd always hear stories and things like that of you know other people you know whenever they they would conduct an exorcism that they yeah. would have spirits following them and it's it just probably it seems more that they don't believe in what they're doing to an extent to where they don't believe that, that they can fight back the evil, you know, maybe, maybe within or, you know, things like that. So 
of course, if you have any kind of weakness within you while you're facing those things, forget it. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to come right after you. And you'd be surprised, Paul, of the people, some very high profile people that have come to me for help over the years. Some, some of those people on TV shows that have come to me for help over the years, uh, pastors that have flown me into their churches because they were under demonic attack and I had to perform spiritual deliverances over them, their families, their congregations uh, in many churches. You'd be surprised. And um, just incredible. And then I would say to the pastors, look, you stay with me and I want to show you how this is done. You have to learn this so you can, you know, be a full man of God in the sense that part of your calling is to be a spiritual warrior. So you have to know these things and you have to be ready to go in combat against these things and to be able to withstand. And the only way that you can withstand it is by the power of God. And you must have complete faith and complete courage and no fear at all. So this is, uh, you know, this in some of the cases that I've been involved with pastors, um, there have been instances where, I mean, it was getting really bad and, and like suicidal for some of these people. And, and that's what the devil and those demonic forces want. They want to destroy, especially these men of God. They want to destroy them. They don't want them to be in the position to help others. So uh, again, you would be shocked. I'm not going to name names but you would be very shocked and surprised at some of the high profile people that have come to me for help. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I, what I'll say to that is that I wish that I would be surprised, but I'm, I guarantee you that if I were to hear some of the names, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, especially at the level that some of the people get to as far as, you know, being like in Hollywood and stuff. Oh yeah. I yeah. Think that, you know, that they had to do to get to that point. I, I mean, I wouldn't, nowadays I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe 15 years ago, I might've been, but now it's, yeah, it's just something that happens all the time. It's unfortunate. And Paul, I will most likely never have my own TV series. And I'll tell you why I have been approached many times by producers and production companies um, for my own TV series. Mm. It won't happen. And, and I'm not being negative when I say it. If it were to happen, praise God, but it would have to happen on my terms. And that's why it won't happen, because mm-hmm. I will not comply with the wishes of some of these producers that want me to fabricate things and all mm-hmm. that for the entertainment value. I'm not an entertainer. I am a man of God that has been called to help people. So, yes, I've appeared in many TV shows. Um, some were not pleasant experiences. However, I'm glad that I did just for the people out there that saw me and were led to contact me for help. And I praise God for working through me to have helped them. But I could not, nor would I ever, I don't care how much money they offer me. There's no way that I could have a show when I know that I'm fabricating and I'm doing things for the entertainment uh, aspect. Well, what am I? What have I become at that point? You know, an entertainer. Uh, that's not who I am. I can't do that. I've had 
been on shoots to where they said, well, look, we're just going to throw this over here and make this noise. And we're going to bring in some voices. I said, you got the wrong guy. Sorry. No, thanks. Not interested. And that was that. I had a book deal one time. It was for Dark Force. And I've written eight books. The first book was Dark Force. And I had a book deal in place that I probably would have made a lot of money. Um, they told me it was going to be the biggest book since Amityville Horror. It's going to be fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was getting excited about it because I thought that, you know, the story did have that potential. But then they came back to me and said, Bill, you know, we're so excited. Everything's so great, but we just need two things from you. And if you could do these two things, everything will be great. We're going to make so much money. The two things that they needed and wanted from me were for me to remove all mentions of God and Jesus out of the book. And I said, lady, not for a million dollar check right now would I do that. And that was the end of the deal. Yeah, like I said, I'm not surprised. You know, <laughs> during the state of what's going on nowadays, it started like in late 2015, like really started. It just doesn't surprise me. It's just yeah. the so active. Paul, if you never see Bill Bean on his own TV series, now <laughs> you know why. why. And, <laughs> and so it is what it is. I trust in God. I'm not worried about any of that. Yeah. The active effort to erase God from, you know, from our lives, from schools, from anything that's mainstream. I mean, that, that just, that tells you where the country is headed. And that kind of, that lets me know that possessions and everything to do with the devil, it's on the rise. There's just no, there's just no active fight to combat that, you know, like in the masses, it's like a very small group of us that, that just won't give in to all that. No nonsense. way. You know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely, we definitely need more people on our side. We'll just leave it at that. It's, it's, it's just, we have to, and it's like the masses that just don't believe in God anymore. A lot of people don't believe in God. They don't have no. any kind of religion, even priests that I've met personally that are priests. They went to school to study these things and all these things don't believe in the devil I know, and it's like, how do you not? And they don't even believe in exorcisms. That it's a delusion. It's an absolute delusion, and and it is uh, falling right into the plans of the devil. He doesn't care if you believe him him or not. He just doesn't want you to believe in God. So I mean, it's his his whole mission is to separate man from God, Mm -hmm. and to separate God from man. And the way that he can do that is through distortion. And part of the distortion is social distortion. So we have this social engineering, this uh, mind programming from TV, movies, music, uh, internet, whatever it may be. It is this mass propaganda and mind programming designed to lead the person away from God and to make the devil glamorous to where he's not such a bad guy after all, and he's cool just look at the new commercial out there with uh, good old Ryan Reynolds made that commercial with mm. Satan, you know, for match.com and he's got the girl and they did a couple commercials and Taylor Swift played the soundtrack. Oh, it was so cute. I loved it, Paul. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but this is the mindset is that you condition the masses into accepting this as cute mm-hmm. Um and lighthearted 
and the devil's not such a bad guy after all. And this is how the devil gets control of everything is because the people let their guards down and they accept it. And it's working right now. 100%. Beautifully. It's yeah. working like a charm. Yep. So they think men like you and I are the crazy people and we're the haters and we're the outcast and we're non-compliant and toxically masculine, uh, whatever you want to say. I'm it, and I'm not changing for anybody or anything, and I praise God for that, and um, I'm thankful that I have eyes to see and ears to hear, and I don't want to be a part of the world. I don't want to be a part of that mass manipulation and programming that most of the people are under these days. Yeah, well, Jesus was the biggest outsider there was, so I'm we're in great company there. So yes, we are. Absolutely. About that. <laughs> you better believe um, it. Yeah. So it was, you mentioned before you had eight books. Uh, your latest one is Stranger Than Fiction 2, right? So that yeah. one came out last month. Yeah, last yeah, month. Yeah, last month. And so so I saw it was, I guess, are these like stories that you've had in, in the past or from other people? It's amazing how this all came together because I've had just about every type of paranormal supernatural experience that you can think of in life. And having said that, I started connecting the dots saying, okay, well, I've had this, I've had that. And, and whether it is angels, demons, UFO experiences, Bigfoot, whatever it is, I've had these experiences. And um, so I just started connecting the dots and I, I thought, okay, I could have very easily have filled two books up with my own stories very easily, but I thought, what if I included other people in their stories? So it's just not Bill Bean and his stories. It's some other contributors as well, giving you their stories. And so I did it in the first Stranger Than Fiction. And then I came back again with Stranger Than Fiction 2 and bringing back uh, other people with their stories. And again, you know, I start the book off by writing about 2020. How, how couldn't I do that? Um, and then I go into angels and demons and ghosts and hauntings and UFOs and Bigfoot and Mothman, mm. uh, Aleister Crowley and the Bolskine, Mandela effect. And next time you have me back, we'll have to go into that, the Mandela effect. Yeah. Um, and then the final word. And so in between that, yes, I had some of my own contributions in the stories. But I also had other contributors come in with their stories. And Paul, so far, you know, the book came out on February 14th. I launched it um, Coast to Coast Radio. And the reviews have been fantastic. Uh, People saying that they can't put the book down. Uh, You know, just thought it was a great read from the first page to the last. And I'm very thankful for that. I praise God for it. And um, so it is doing very well. The reviews are great. I'm thankful for it. But more importantly, it is a solid book. And it is a solid book with good, incredible information. And not only um, are the presenters credible in, in their stories and their accounts, but I have historical and biblical information in there as well, especially in the angel and demon section to, again, tie this together with these experiences and whether they were my experiences or the experiences of the contributors in the book, I could tie it all together uh, biblically and scripturally. 
by adding that in there. So I was really pleased with the way that it turned out. Again, I praise God for it. I praise him for everything. And I'm probably going to write a volume three because I already have a tremendous <laughs> amount of content for another book. So I'm probably going to do that. And then I have in mind uh, writing a book about the mysterious places around the earth. So uh, that's probably going to be another book that I write. I want to write a case book, but I have to be very careful about that because, again, my clients trust in me and I have to do right by them. And, and make sure that I'm not exposing them. Now, there are some that want me to talk about it. Some have been featured in um, some of these shows that I've been a part of, and whether that's a haunting or I was possessed or whatever, that was all based on my case files. But there are other clients that are very private. They do not want their stories told. They don't want attention. So I have to be very careful in that. And that's why I haven't come out with a case book. And, and so that's something that I'll just have to let God guide me into. But until that time, I'll continue to write about these different things. Sure. And so all these books, all eight of them, you can find those on Amazon, right? Is that Yeah, Amazon, Amazon. or you can visit my site, billjbean.com. Okay. If you want a personally autographed uh, book, then go to my site right. and uh, make the order from there. And then I will personally sign it and send it out. Awesome. And um, any kind of social media where anybody can find you um, Facebook? Oh, they can find me on Facebook. I, I deleted my Twitter. I, I, I put uh, <laughs> just recently put like a warrior mode Twitter thing back up there and they can access that from my site, but I had had enough of that Twitter. And if I wasn't <laughs> a public figure, I wouldn't have Facebook or anything like that either, but I, mm-hmm. I have to have it. And um, so if you want to find me on social media, you can find me on the Facebooks and I have uh, one of my assistants, Jessica, she runs the uh, Instagram thing for me. I never go on it. She runs it. Um, so, you know, you can find me on the social media and you, you can access it through billjbean.com. Yeah. And the same way, if I didn't have this show, I wouldn't ever, be, I wouldn't be on Facebook anymore or Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is just like this black hole of Duh. arguments that I, <laughs> that I find myself in at like two, three o'clock in the morning sometimes. And I'm just yeah. like, what am I doing? I just got to get off of this thing. And it's, it's interesting just to kind of watch how other people attack each other, but it's sad, Paul. Yeah, it is. But it's just like, sometimes I'll sit there and I just like, man, what's what happened to us? Like what's going on? You know, yeah. it's, <laughs> but this is all a game and yeah. this is uh, so the puppet masters that put these things out, they and their minions, they sit and watch and laugh and see how people are attacking each other and how they're triggered. And uh, so this is all part of a game. It's entertainment for them. Yeah, it's definitely entertaining. And the people can't see it. And that's the <laughs> worst part is that the average everyday person cannot see what is going on. Yeah, it's definitely sad. But we'll have to pray and hope that everything gets better here soon. Uh, God will have an answer. I can assure you of that. And I pray that it's sooner than later. So for anybody out there that is struggling, please keep in mind that if we keep our faith strong and we really truly develop a real and authentic relationship with God and allow his son, Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ to come into our lives, he'll help us to get through no matter how bad it is. He will help us to get through and we will overcome A great and terrible day is coming. I believe that it's coming sooner than later. Don't worry about it. 
because if we have our place with God and we're truly making him first, he'll make a way for us. It'll be the same as if when we re read the stories about Daniel being put into the lion's den and um, the other men being put into the fiery furnace, nothing happened to them. And it would be the same for us. If we can have that level of faith, strength, and courage and real and authentic relationship and worship of God and with God, don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. He'll make the impossible possible for us. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Bean, keep fighting the good fight out there. We really appreciate your time. Um, for everybody out there that wants to get Mr. Bean's books, you can find those on Amazon. We'll have all those linked up in the show notes as well as the website as well. Uh, we'll track down those Facebook and Twitter links as well. Um, we'll have everything linked down as well. But I really appreciate your time, sir. Um, please stay safe out there. And I pray that nothing but success for you in the future as well. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Paul. I've enjoyed uh, doing this interview. Um, and I look forward to coming back with you again because there's a lot more to talk about. So maybe the next time we'll get into the uh, Mandela effect and some of the uh, scripture changes in the Bible. And uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And if you're not aware of it, um, boy, oh boy, will your <laughs> eyes be opened after we have that show. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on for that. Um, everybody, make sure you please, uh, if you aren't already a subscriber on YouTube, like I mentioned before, please consider subscribing to our show. You can go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below as well as that bell icon and hit that thumbs up as well for us. Um, you guys can catch us as well on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast, Twitter at Defender Podcast, and Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast. We'll have a Facebook, Rumble, and Discord link down below. Like I mentioned before, if you have any questions or comments, for myself or our guests, guests or topic recommendations, you can shoot us an email over at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. I hope everybody had a great week. And I hope you all have a great weekend as well. Stay safe out there. Stay blessed. And most of all, stay frosty. Stay frosty.